This episode of The Latest is brought to you by The Latest. If you subscribe today on Apple Podcasts, you'll be able to binge the entire archive of this five-minute program in just over four hours. The same length of just two of the regular podcasts you already listen to. Enjoy the show. It's Monday, October 12. I'm Greg Ott. This is the latest. We're now on that chilling plot to kidnap and kill Michigan Governor Gretchen Whitmer. Investigators say the men plan to abduct the Democratic Governor Gretchen Whitmer, snatch her from her vacation home, take her to some hideout in Wisconsin, and put her on trial for treason. The alleged plot to kidnap the governor of Michigan was meant to be the beginning of what group members hoped would be civil war. Less Those voices are discussing the governor of Michigan, the state executive entrusted by its citizens to carry forward the time time-honored knowledge of how to turn your hands into a local map. On the heels of reports documenting a thwarted attempted kidnapping of the governor of the Great Lakes state by a makeshift militia, many throughout the country are beginning to wonder, what exactly is in Michigan's drinking water besides the lead? Elected as governor of Michigan in 2018, Governor Gretchen Whitmer has been attacked for her response to the coronavirus pandemic, with critics believing that a virus that's since killed over 200,000 people does not amount to the state of emergency she declared. That's deprived them of the opportunity to pretend that dinner at the Olive Garden counts as a fancy night on the town. The effort to kidnap Whitmer, like any good crime, was orchestrated by a man who had been kicked out of his girlfriend's place and was crashing in the basement of a vacuum repair shop in order to firmly establish his credentials as a dirtbag. In concert with a local anti-government paramilitary group known as the Wolverine Watchmen, a very Michigan-sounding militia that most definitely missed the message of the award-winning HBO series, a total of 13 men believed that the state-sanctioned public health shutdowns were unconstitutional and had ushered in a wave of tyranny, to which the only solution would be to execute the combined storylines of V for Vendetta and Baby's Day Out. After playing make-believe with semi-automatic weapons in the woods for several months, the men toyed with everything, from an old-fashioned Frank Sinatra Jr.-style abduction to simply shooting her on her doorstep, as if she were a porch pirate who'd finally crossed the line on Prime Day. On a reconnaissance mission, they even toyed with blowing up the bridge that led to her vacation home which seems completely superfluous given the state of infrastructure in this country. If these men had just been a little more patient, that bridge may very well have collapsed on its own within a couple of years and spared them each the trouble of a potential life sentence. For me, this story hits very close to home, and not because I live in the basement of a vacuum store. Though to be fair, I do share a recording booth with a Roomba. Not only did I grow up in this state, I hail from the city that's home to one of the defendants, a 23-year-old who calls himself Beaker, presumably inspired by that lovable Muppet who whipped up improvised explosive devices in an attempt to murder Miss Piggy. The city I'm from is known as Lake Orion, whose motto is, where living is a vacation, the kind of place where there's no need to strap the luggage to the roof of your station wagon because the governor's already locked in the trunk. I worry about what's happening in communities like these across the country. The kinds of unassuming towns that tend to make headlines for outlet mall grand openings rather than felony-level kidnapping arraignments. Aside from a 32,000-square-foot bocce ball palace and a single Mexican restaurant that counts Jack Daniel's barbecue spare ribs as a signature Mexican entree, Lake Orion is lucky enough to still be anchored by a General Motors assembly plant, 
which proudly continues to produce the types of cars that no one is proud to drive. But in regions like these, once defined by things like American manufacturing, where bad boyfriends are discarded into cluttered basements among the surplus auric filtration bags, I can almost understand how men like these become radicalized. Nuts who are more interested in pursuing their perverted interpretation of the Second Amendment and less interested in trying to figure out why car factories that once paid middle-class wages have been replaced by Amazon factories that afford you the opportunity to piss into a bottle on your lunch break. Now, I'm, I'm taking some broad strokes here, but it's important that we at least try to start understanding what is driving these men. Because Homeland Security officials have ranked homegrown violent extremists, white supremacists, anti-government extremists, and militias as greater threats than Al-Qaeda, Boko Haram, and ISIS. We'd be better off redirecting drones from the Pakistani border to surveil what's going down at a Kid Rock concert. The president certainly hasn't helped, tweeting during the stay-at-home orders to liberate Michigan, as if its residents were being held captive by Tim Allen himself. But even after he's voted out of office or chokes to death on an onion ring, we're going to have to do a lot of heavy lifting to remind our neighbors and our families that science is real. Facebook is not. And being told to wear a mask while buying an extra Xbox controller at Best Buy doesn't mean it's time to take the law into your own hands like some side character in Red Dead Redemption. Now, of course, this is not going to be easy stuff to address. But if we don't vote this November for candidates and parties in favor of punishing media companies for spreading misinformation or limiting access to weapons of war and paying fair enough salaries that people don't feel inclined to waste their time absorbing misinformation and playing with weapons of war, I'm afraid more and more people across the country are going to come to the same conclusion that I did as soon as I graduated from a lousy Michigan college. It's time to get the hell out of this place. And now it's time for the O.J. Simpson Twitter update. Hey, Twitter world. Hey, Twitter world. Hey, Twitter world. This is me, yours truly. My guest today is Michael Hilliard, an Australian conflict journalist and the host of The Red Line geopolitical podcast. Michael, thanks for joining me. Thanks so much. On Tuesday, OJ addressed a coronavirus-related election conspiracy theory in the United States. Hey, Twitter world, it's me, yours truly. Just finished having uh, breakfast with some of my buddies. Uh, normally, I don't talk politics, certainly publicly, but this morning, uh, it got kind of heated. Half of my friends are probably uh, um, Republican, conservative, not necessarily Trumpets, but Republicans. And the other half, and even most of my family, I would say, is Democrats in the day. It got started when one guy was criticizing the president for saying that COVID was like the flu. And another guy said it is. And the guy said, wait a minute, it doesn't take a, a hospitalization and three experimental drugs to treat the regular flu. And it kind of took off from there. And, and this guy says this whole lockdown thing is a ploy by the Democrats to affect the election. At that, I had to get involved a little bit. I said, are you saying by that theory that uh, Germany, France, Italy, Greece, England, Japan, <laughs> you know, uh, China, Korea are all locked down, uh, and many of them before we did, to affect our election. And the guy said, of course they all care about our elections. I say, hey, man, no more politics. From now on, we only talk sports, and that's what I'm going to do now. I'm just saying. Michael? What do you think about what OJ had to say? I think OJ's got a very good point. I mean, this is affecting every country around the world at the moment. And, you know, 
it would be silly to think that people in, in Mongolia are, are taking this seriously to affect the US elections. You know, this is, it has proven death rates. It has, pr- you know, it would, the amount of people that would have to be in on the conspiracy to make this work, you would need to have, a, the estimate would be around 2.5 million people in on the conspiracy to make even any of these claims possible. And I, I, anyone who's worked in project management can tell you that does not work at all. You know, someone would gab, someone would say, so it's so far-fetched and fanciful, it's almost laughable that this has even got to the point it is. Uh, so people need to stress that, that the science is pretty obvious, and sometimes the simplest answer is the correct one. Mm-hmm. And what do you think about OJ? I've been an investigative journalist for a very long time and do deep dives into lots of issues. And I can definitely 100% confirm he's a murderer. That's this week's OJ Simpson Twitter update. Michael, thanks for joining me. Thanks so much. And that's the latest written, recorded, produced by Greg Ott. OJ Simpson Twitter update produced by Christy Forsh. If you like the show, please subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, all weird apps. They're all, each and every one of them, weirder than the last. I'm at underscore Greg Ott on Twitter. Yeah, right. Latestpod.com if you want to read the transcripts. See you soon. And by see you soon, I mean hear you soon. And by hear you soon, I mean you'll be hearing me soon. And by hearing me soon, I mean you'll soon be hearing me do another episode of this podcast. And by... Oh, I thought you was going to interrupt.